Welcome to Marketing Money Podcast. Roll it! Marketing Money Podcast at marketingmoneypodcast.com. The second podcast of the year being released, but the first podcast we've actually done this year. Don't let the secret. This, 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 there are no secrets. We are open. You know what? We are open. We want everyone to know that we hold nothing back on this podcast. It is wide open. We want everyone to know things and stuff. In 2021, I'm going to start telling <laughs> podcast secrets. How about that? But you're going to have to make up secrets. There's no secrets. Uh, so so I'm going to tell you all the, the first secret I'm going to tell you. True secret. True secrets by Josh Mavis. Yes. Is that John suggested this podcast. This totally just jumped in my head when we were starting this. And I was like, this is the stupidest idea I've ever heard for podcasts. When you first suggested this. What are you talking What The Podcast, podcast, this podcast, like the marketing money yes. podcast, when or you're the like, topic we we're talking about today, po- huh? I take offense to something being called stupid. Well, this I called it stupid. Like how many years have we been doing this? Three, three years. Yeah. So this was three years ago. You're over it now. Okay. Okay. You, rem- you don't remember me? Like I was. Like, so at that point, my like only knowledge of podcast was like deep nerd culture. I remember sitting at the beach listening to Freakonomics and going. No, we're not Dubner and Levitt or whatever, but like we could do one of these on banking, bank marketing, and it'd probably be okay. And I remember texting you, and I maybe you you hid your secret because you were like, "Sounds okay, let's talk about it." That's what I remember. I didn't remember your your vengeance of stupidity behind my back. Thanks. Well, so it's just I told you it was a secret. We now have a secret. <laughs> no, <it's> a, <laughs> no, we talked about. I was like, man, aren't podcast? No, I remember us talking about it because maybe it was it was like. Uh, this is about like like shows that nerds are really into, like Supernatural and Smallville. Like those are like they have podcasts that discuss every show. Yeah, I thought that's what, and I thought they had, and they had. This is what I'm getting to because this is a reverse pat on the back, I guess. Now, is it was strangely prescient because I think we started the podcast before Serial came along. And sort of reinvigorated the podcast. No, 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 no. It was. Was it just starting? I think. When did Serial? I think Serial had already in S Town. Those were the two that kind of knocked the doors open for, for me realizing podcast had power. Now podcast. those were already out because Serial was like on his second or third. No it, story, it, wasn't it? No, it de- it wasn't. I don't. We're googling it, now, guys. It wasn't through season one. We're googling now. When did the when did it start? Yeah, it's it was yeah. Well, I don't I don't follow the truth of that narrative. So I, they I couldn't watched, they couldn't hear it. Serial ended around twenty fifteen and we started around twenty six sometime in twenty sixteen. Serial season one. Serial season one. I think maybe I, I think I was anyway. late to the game. I think look, here's my thing. I was a podcast doubter. Oh, but ye of little faith. No, anyway, I think it was present. I think it's a good job. I think I think um that it was a good suggestion. Oh well. Thank you. From stupidity to serenity. Look, I, I'm admitting I was wrong. I'm, I, 
I'm going to tell you, you were wrong in a minute about what something. What was I wrong about? There's a subject that, that when you bring it up, I'm not going to tell you. How am I going to bring it up? You you will. Okay. All right. Also, uh, I watched Tenet. Yes, I have not seen it yet, so don't ruin it if there is anything to ruin. Uh, well, anyway, it, to those that have watched it will know the joke that I'm talking about because they're also from the future. Okay. The future, the future, the future. Anyway, no, it was good. It was um, thinking about the future past. Josh had two clearly Canadians today in the uh, cooler, and so we popped them open to taste them, and it reminded me of like being nine years old again, and, and I found the clearly Canadian back then, especially the peach flavor, orchard peach, and I really like it. And they're like not strawberry. And they're not sponsoring this podcast, by the way. So clearly Canadian, if you're out there and want to throw us some bones, we'd be more than we're, happy we're to take control it. by foreign interest. The clearly Canadian. Well, I think, you know, with the rise of uh nationalism in America over the past four years, I uh, think clearly Canadian Mike should be renamed and rebranded. No, I mean it's it's um effervescent um cane sugar water. Here's a funny thing I'll tell you. So like I looked for my favorite flavor of clearly Canadian growing up was strawberry. And every day after school, I would get, which this belies my my upbringing, because um, this is an expensive drink. I would go get a strawberry Clearly Canadian and a Reese's Cup, you know, a little two-pack of Reese's Cups. Hmm. Every day. Every day. Pretty good they little snack. They don't make strawberry. They don't make it anymore. Yeah, Americans, I think, are the only people that like strawberries. I think everybody else likes raspberry. <laughs> well... I'm Blackberry. having the orchard peach, and it's pretty good. It has a, a bit of nostalgia to the taste. Reminds me of back in the day. It's not the LaCroix. I was hoping LaCroix would be like this. No, LaCroix is way fizzier to me. And the flavor's in the next room. Yeah, it's it's out there. But anyway, I just wanted to let you know that we are uh, sampling some of the past into the future today with uh, a little rebirth of the Clearly Canadian that is not expired. So apparently it is still good to drink. Anyway, a topic that came up that we wanted to discuss, which is interesting, I think, in itself, and there's a marketing hook to it, because, of course, this is the Marketing Money Podcast, but to move from clearly Canadian being something that's clear, there's a product that used to be around that was simple. It's still around for like another little... Six months or so, till so they wind it down. January 6th or 7th, I think 7th, that BBVA that purchased Simple... And I think 2014, I'm going off of memory here, so sorry, fact checkers of the world. The BBVA purchased Simple in 2014. Now they're, they announced they're shuttering it, shutting it down. My assumption from a technical standpoint to get this out of the way is that it has, to, has to something to do with PNC buying BBVA's American assets. I think BBVA will remain BBVA in Europe where it's... España. España. I remember when I first saw Simple or heard of Simple, and, you know, there's there's always this kind of, I don't know how to describe it for the bank marketing nerds we are out there, but there's like this vernacular entry every year or topic entry every year, whether it's big data or social media or fintech. There's always like a term at every conference that kind of dominates the conference. Digital banking, millennials or something. And it doesn't have to be even about banking. It's just a marketing or a world topic or something like right now it'd have to be a pandemic because that's all. But but what topic is dominant? And I remember fintech is still a very dominant topic. Don't get me wrong here. But I remember it was like the thing was What's going to be all cool at the marketing conference? What's the fintech, 
you know, is it Zill? Is it MX? Is it, um, you know, personal finance? You know, what is it? You know, management tools, PFMs, all, all the stuff. And I remember Simple seeing it and someone said, oh, they've got this product and it comes out and it's like a deposit product made by Apple. You know, you get what I'm saying here. Like you open it up, like the box was cool. Instead, when you get your debit card from most banks, you either get a letter and it, a letter, and it's just like glued to it or gummied to the the inside, or you get the instant issue debit card. There's not really an experience in it, and I will say, I notice when there's a bad experience in getting a card. But I like if I got, I saw somebody get the simple card. No, no, I mean it was cool packaging, but I, it didn't make my banking better. I felt like now the actual operating of a lower fee to a no-fee card, a card that had digital already built into it. If you download it, the card, it looked kind of cool. It was real white. It was simple, what it was called. So it represented the brand. I'm not being a hater. Look, they did awesome with their product and sold it, but I'm being a hater in that I'm saying, when I saw it, I was like, and I kind of wrote a little bit about this or maybe tweet about it. I said, it's the emperor's new clothes. Like, it's just a bank product dressed up a little differently. To me, it was. Now, at the time, it could have been different. I didn't. I wasn't a customer, but I remember seeing it and going, I don't get it. So I'm going to ask you, like, what do you think got it for the 100,000 customers? Was it just being rebellious, like an Apple phone when an Android phone? They're like, this is cool because it's well-packaged and designed. You think design matters that much? So the only thing I can really, because there's not really much, like, if you read, like, the interviews of the founders, it, it talks all about experience. Like the the simple experience. Yeah, you had like is, a bamboo is, card with the thing what, taped to it or wrapped it. You know. Yeah, but here's the deal. You may choose to recommend a restaurant or, you know, a clearly Canadian or whatever because of your experience with it, but you couldn't experience simple until you bought it, until you became a customer. Well, that's my issue with bank apps, mobile apps on yeah. the phone. I couldn't tell you what a certain bank was like you, against another. Like, there's 4,000 apps out there for banks, and I can't tell you maybe three of them are. Well, there are 4,000. Well, I mean, other than the big banks, there are three apps for banks. There's Jack Henry app. There's FIS app. There's Fiserv app. And CSI, which is a also a really good one. But just the brand of I know, them. But, but, but some but of them saying, are a little different than others. They're, they're different from each other, but but there's still a one in four chance, really a one in that four. That about 80% of the, the, that you're going the functions to, are going to be the same. Well, well that you're go, if you move from one bank to the next, if they're a Jack Henry bank, you're probably going to pick up. And so, which actually isn't that bad a thing if you think about it. No, it's not, I'm, I'm not, it's not bad at all because you know, oh, I know how to use this. But if you left That's because of the experience... And you went to this whole other bank to get a better digital experience. Not there. It's not there. But I'm going to cry a little bit of foul on the experience is what drew people because you couldn't experience it till you got it. Got it. See, the marketing must have been I, good. It's the marketing. They did a really good job of something any, any bank could have become simple. I think that's really the part that pissed off every bank is it was just like, I mean, yeah, we, we could to, we could do that. That was what it was. Take we our colors do down and yeah. just make it white with like a little. Just a minimalist bank. I mean, it, that's all it is. And the weird thing in the research, because I mean, one of the things you're gonna, you're going to get two articles out of this, Johns and mine, or not Johns and mine, Johns and Riley Mannings from our office. I'm speaking of this because I did the research on it. It's weird. Role reversal at Mavis Agency. The employees normally do the research and the. And you write it, and, and now they're write writing, it. and you're just fact-checking and, I and did the research. research in it. Is that it's not a bank. They were a go-between from banks, and I, I, I cannot speak to the structure of, of it, 
but they offered banking services, and there was this very like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I don't even know who the banks were that that were the depository, but it was a it was an app as a front facing thing for other depositing banks. And we've seen this in some other stuff like Acorns and Kraken actually for the conversion, the cryptocurrency. They're banks that uh, they're the backbone of that the, the they're the backbone of it. It, but it said between banks. So anyway, don't know the exact structure of it, but Simple maintained that they weren't a bank. They offered banking services, which I'm sure I'd love to go to the CFPB and be like, no, we offer banking services. It's like the, <laughs> they're, the, they're the Dwight Schrute, the assistant to the manager. They're not the assistant. I'm not the assistant manager. I'm the assistant. But I will say this. So regional manager. <laughs> assistant to the regional manager. I think Simple took some tropes that people complained about. Banking customers yeah. complained about complex. and said, we don't do that. Yeah, it's complex. There's fees for things that we don't think we should be charged for. And what they did was focused on it. And here's the thing. So they did a couple things that I think any bank could have done. Not only could you just have stripped all your colors and gone to a white and gray logo and all that, banks, some of it's due to the generational nature of community banks, closely held family institutions is... They almost feel like they can't be cool because, like, that's not what banks do, you know. Well, it's, it's marketing in general with banks and branding in general. Yeah, yeah, like, we're, no, 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 no. We're, like we we're can't, serious. We can't be like the Vikings on the credit card commercials that are hilarious or the Geico funny insurance stuff because we have to be serious and we have to be isn't funny. banking. Yeah, I know. That's that's the, the irony of what you're saying. And the other thing that they did, not only is they they became cool, they figured out what was cool, and and they they really pl- you you keep saying like Apple, but I definitely think that they were like, what's popular now, guys? Minimalism, white space, white box, slide yeah. open, you know, the wrapped card. I have to believe that. I think it was probably purer than that because how I many you know bank CEOs have been like, just do some of that Apple stuff to us, just do some of that Apple. To <laughs> make it make it look and like. And then Apple. when you bring it back to like. Yeah, but could you add something? Like, no, that's not an. You, you, we get what what's going on there. Every marketing director that's listening gets that. So a bank can be cool. <laughs> they realize that, or a, a a company that offers banking services, not a bank, not member FDIC, whatever. Anyway, and that they can focus because banks, specifically community banks, are really afraid of marketing focus. And what I mean by Do that, explain. Okay. <laughs> if you pitched simple, the, the concept of simple to a lot of banks, it would be like, but what about the customers that like complex? We're really going to alienate those people. Now, that's a harder argument to make when you say that simple, uh, we, we've written a blog about this, about what I call beneficial features. Simple is just a feature. It's not a benefit, but it's a feature that its meaning, its its inherent meaning leans towards something being beneficial. Would you rather have something solve a complicated problem or a simple problem? Probably the simple one. You see what I'm saying? Like it leans beneficial. I think its timing was good too because it had a different brand look and a brand that was meeting like the Apple of the moment. But and, cool. And cool. And it's we've talked about the power of branding and I, and I don't like – when you talk about brands you didn't have anything to do with, but I mean, your Starbucks versus your other coffee, your something versus something like, it had a different startup feel to the brand. I think people thought, well, this is cool. It's going to be neat. It's going to be different. But their brand was their message, and their message was their brand. We're simple. Yeah, it's simple. It was What's easy to say. Simple. simple. And, and I and got it. that's simple. Yeah, I got it. But the other side is being able to focus on simplicity. It, it's easy. Well, of course you would focus if it was 
you know, a great name like that. It had was. A great thing. But here's the thing I would challenge that. Would you rather be known as a complex thinker or a simpleton? The yeah. word simple isn't inherently positive. Positive. It, it's situational. But their messaging was as part of their brand. That they, they said they exist to answer four key questions. Why is banking so complicated? They don't answer it, by the way. They don't answer it. it they never answer it. They just ask the question. Can a bank exist to help people, not confuse them? Yes. Well, <laughs> Obviously. What if banks didn't charge so many ridiculous fees? They didn't say we don't charge fees. They just what said if what if they didn't? And what's a ridiculous fee? Yeah. I, I need that defined for me. Is yeah, it like like I argue with people all the time, and I probably don't even need to say this, but like overdraft fees that that banks are so whatever for in the public eye, how could they charge a fee? You spent more money. You had a short term loan. Would you rather have gotten your groceries or not? And guess what? I am a fan of the opt-out law and ruling and all that. I opted out. If I can't afford it, I don't need to buy it for Josh Mabus. I'd rather be embarrassed and have to put my Clearly Canadian and my Reese's cut back. Well, then I'll go get it. Yeah. Because, you know, wealthy over here. (laughs) Unlimited. Unlimited. Unlimited to, to limited. But it was more, it was their messaging. Yeah. Right. That, that they, that they spent money on and, and put money behind. I don't know what fees did they not have? Did they just not have an account maintenance fee? Because a lot of banks have those for different I, things. Yeah, of all the research I did, I have no idea. Because that's what I would want to know. And to my point of that, my second question would be how did Simply make money? I don't know. Interchange fees? Selling for $119 million. Did you? But I mean, did they give you a free debit card and then was there no interchange? And they made the money off interchange fees or was it the other bank connection paid for the customer to use their product? I mean, what, which might be interchange too? Probably like a correspondent deposit thing because the bank went Or did they with- make money off of insufficient funds, overdraft fees, because you got it and then you used it and they made it on the. I know. I wish I was interested enough to go look at their balance sheet. Well, now it's, you can't get you know, it. I'm, well, uh, you might, I doubt it. They weren't publicly traded for. They sold no, it. No, 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 no. So, so you, but I mean, you could probably look, dig in some BBVA financials. Where they it bought out. it if they said it. Yeah, you could go look back at BBVA because they're publicly traded. That's see a BBVA. 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 So to the blah, 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 blah. So, so, so looking at it. But I thought there was some interesting statistics that you pulled when you were researching this discussion or or you and Riley's article. The amount of accounts they had versus the bank that bought them, which I think is is somewhat hilarious because I think BBVA wanted to be cool. And, the, and they do some cool stuff. I'm not picking on them as a bank. Some of their marketing is actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the brand's good? Yeah. It looks forward, whatever the word is that I'm looking for. But my point is, I think they bought it thinking they were going to adopt it into their coolness and keep it, and it was going to be a side piece, but it was going to be something they could really look to that new millennial customer. I think, remember, everything had to be about the millennial a few yeah. years ago. It's kind of changed now, but it used to be, millennial wants this, and minimal, and they want meaning in their product, and they want a meaning in their job, and it's got to be bigger than just money. And I think that was part of it, was this is simple, it's cool, the millennial's going to love it, let's buy it. Yeah, and what's funny is I'm curious what the plan was. Like, was it to, you know, maybe it was just the raw technology under it was very interesting. But their stated reason, BBVA's stated reason for acquiring is to rapidly, I think the quote was, rapidly expand their... Yeah, look up the press release. Rapidly expand their digital presence or something. Accelerate its digital... Accelerate its digital banking expansion. Accelerate its digital banking expansion. Keep in mind, Simple had 100,000 customers when it was purchased. 
And it it had um, really fast growth. So it had the first few years of operation, it got to twenty thousand. Then the last two or three years, it exploded to a hundred. So it wasn't even necessarily they bought what was there. I think they bought what was coming. Right? If you get something at the very beginning of the upswing, you feel very you know it would have been cool to buy Bitcoin at ninety bucks, but it's also cool to buy it for a thousand right before it goes into a meteor meteoric rise. Yeah, right? and, and this, you could have bought it for ninety, but and they didn't know at the time that they were gonna get bought merge with PNC. Well, sell their four US years later. Yeah, <laughs> um, but. Well, they're merging with hundred thousand, hundred thousand customers, and who knows what it what it is, you know, after the you know five six years later. But what was interesting to me is because Riley and I were just sort of debating and talking about this, and you know, just we had a really cool, fun conversation that created this. I was like, "Well, how many customers does BBVA have?" I remember he and I talked. I was like, "Because I didn't know how many Simple has." Like, I mean. Simple's got, you know, what if it had 7 million clients, but BVA's got 70 million? I mean, that just... Yeah, and you acquired customers. I, they did not acquire customers in that sense. They acquired a product. They did. This was a product they acquisition. As a, as, a, as a relatively standalone thing. But BVA has, as of whatever, October 2020, 35.6 million digital customers. How many digital customers? 35.6 million versus 100,000. 35.6 million. 35 million. Yeah. 35 million digital. Let's say 36 million. 36 million. Okay, 36 million digital customers, and they acquired 100,000. So obviously it was not a customer acquisition. I just, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's that many people probably join or move off their app every day. Yeah, Yeah. that much churn's probably a week. So it's weird. Now, now one thing I would point out that is European and American customers. That's worldwide. Yeah. I couldn't, you know, but still, like, one, it would stand to reason that one could stand to reason that maybe that wasn't it wasn't to rapidly expand its digital presence because, like you said, they could probably ramp that up. They had pretty good adoption too. Fifty six million active customers total, with thirty six being active digital customers. Yeah, sixty percent. Yeah, yeah, sixty seven. That, that's really a, good. That's for, for that's a, actually really good for a company that big. That's actually really good. Yeah. So here's the other thing: is like simple. There's sort of this thing that's this darling that the app is really good. And it is, by the way. It it is a really good app from from the the stats. Has a four point six star rating. I, I love this part too though. On um the rating this the rating, Apple app. This for, rating research to me makes this podcast. This is the best moment of the whole podcast. So four point six is really good. It's a high rating. Yeah, I mean bank apps generally are re- relatively low rated. But that's usually because they get frustrated and they rate them yeah, there's in the moment going, of frustration. It's a, yeah. it's a network error and the app gets rated or yeah. something like that. With 11,000, 12,000 ratings, which is, again, still pretty big, especially when you think about 100,000 clients, 4.6 BBVA, 4.8. So let's break this down. With, with 284.8, 285 so BBVA's app. Now, given there are things you can do, you can buy companies that do this. Like, but let's just take it for is what better, it is. Is better rated than the app they bought that was going to help them rapidly, yeah, whatever into the future with digital. I, I, and and that that's not the end all be all of this. I just think it's interesting that they bought they bought an app that is ranked lower in reviews than the app they currently had or have. 
Well, who knows at the moment? Yeah. But it's still, it's, it's that's weird to me. Like, we're buying this I'm awesome, something. pristine app, and it's and point, a 4.8 it's, is basically 5. Like, it's, it's hard to get to 4.8. Yeah. I, and I know mathematically, of course, it's basically. But, but I'm just saying, like, the gap between 4.6 and 4.8 is a, a bigger gap than what the math shows. It's harder to do that. So, you know, speculating why I think I think what you said, it, it, not that anybody cares, not that it matters, is I think BBVA was like, this is cool. It gets us some press. It's cool. Well, and there's a, there's and a hunger. I mean, well, when you saw BB&T and SunTrust combined and, and became Truist, and they're they're finishing up that that merger in many ways with their branding now. Part of the big message in their in their rollout and PNC and BBVA America too was technology investment and it was fintech and we're going to put billions of dollars back into consolidate these two back office technology we're going to have better apps better mobile better online better ai to figure out what product you need and where the customer is going to go and it's going to be this great digital investment and i agree and i think bbva was trying to do that on the front end they saw it and they said this is a cool looking product it's dressed nice it serves nice the millennials are going to want it because everybody's trying to figure out how to bank the millennial at the time. I think we've kind of moved. Again, I think it was an upswing move, too. It was. And I think they thought this looks cool and this will get great press. It will look good to the investors. It will look like we're – and they were that we're doing something in the fintech space. And so they did it. And I guess, uh, you know, for those listening, they're like, oh, simple. Yeah, I remember that. I was in the bank. There will be two people that – two types of people that one will be like, yeah, I thought it was Emperor's – has new clothes or whatever. Nimbers not wearing any clothes, and look, he's—it's just a, a bank product that just dressed nicely, dressed nicely. And then there'll be the others that were like, "No, it showed that you could do things differently in marketing than other banks are doing, and it was successful." Well, and then there's one more group I would add to that, and those are the purest customers that are ticked that what they chose—they bought the brand, and now it's it's gone. And that's how all the Saturn drivers fell out there. Can you imagine, like, what if... What Pontiac. If, Pontiac is dead, too, right? Yeah, Oldsmobile. But you know what? what like, Can you imagine, like, being, like, just a huge Saturn fan? Remember that, those commercials? They did, they, they'd go up to Nashville or wherever it was in yeah. middle Tennessee, and they'd be Saturns all drive around, and then they just, like, there goes the brand. We're not going to make Saturns anymore. But it was similar. Chevy bought Saturn, and that's when it shuttered. It didn't make sense on their balance sheet. And that's kind of the other thing. I mean, like, Subaru, like... Subaru is has a lot of love. Like people drive Subaru. Ah, that's popular. That's popular brand. Yeah, but the people that drive it, like I don't think anyone buys Subaru. Like ah, I might get a Subaru. It's like they love it, or they just don't even know it exists. Volvo maybe second to that, but Subaru is a is probably the one. I mean, loyal like loyalty sentiment. Anyone I know that drives a Subaru will talk about driving a Subaru. Yeah. Like I like I people don't talk about driving their Ford. They no. just like it. They, they, I mean it's a Ford. They yeah. like it. It's nothing's wrong with it. But but Subaru like Saturn like Subaru didn't make much sense in the Chevy portfolio. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean there's a lot of reasons behind it. But all right, we're gonna make this other car for this very small. So group simple maybe the Saturn of banking. I think so too. But here's the thing: is it. A lot of people that reacted to this almost acted like it invalidated Simple's existence. And I think that would be a dangerous move. I mean, I don't know how many average customers a community bank has, but 100,000 customers is nothing to sneeze at. Well, it reminds me, the whole consolidation of your products when you have an M&A is, you know, as you know, we're a 
116-year-old bank, and we've had 13 M&As in the past 15 years. And with those, I think we've had to consolidate, and this is, I'm just speaking in numbers, but like it was about 80 accounts, Mm -hmm. checking accounts that we acquired, got. And, you know, every one of them had a little fiefdom or whatever you want to call it, a little sect of people out there that was like, we really like this summit, top of the mountain, Eagle Express checking account. We like this heritage column marble account. And so every group had their little account. And I'm afraid that Simple had good press and was seen as a fintech versus just an account with the bank. But I bet, and look, I don't work for either bank, but I bet when they were looking at all their products, they were like, all right, these people will work well in this one. Accounts are similar. They're just not going to have this white card that says Simple, and they're not going to have this mo- this app experience, but the rating's higher, so let's just kind of need to merge it in there for efficiency. Yeah, but that's but now take that and extrapolate it to, hey, lifelong Subaru owner, you've... You're, you're 50, you've owned three Subarus in your life, because that's, that's another thing. A Chevy Trailblazer is just as good. Not to me. You know, it's, <laughs> I mean, there's going to be a visceral pushback. You know, I think that's what it is with Simple, is one, it's not an insignificant amount of people that really liked a thing, but I don't think it invalidates it. I think it when we talk about efficiency rate ratios and things like that, it doesn't make sense to a big bank. And my I, the lesson to our audience, which is generally community banks, and Jamie Diamond. Jamie Diamond listens to our podcast. He texted me last week. Did he? Yeah. The lesson from Simple to our audience, the community bank, I think it's one of if you've ever wondered why you should remain independent. Because we, I, I hear this a good bit, like, what's your goal? To remain independent. Well, why? There's a group of dedicated customers that really like what you have to bring to the table. And they may not be the biggest group of customers. And they may not be the, you know, whatever, but they're loyal and you do provide something different. I think Simple did provide something different, even if it's a placebo, because placebos work. You know, even if it's not a real thing that they, a different experience, they felt like they're in an exclusive club. Because, I mean, Subaru doesn't provide something drastically different than the Chevy Trailblazer. Sorry, because I'm some people out there. I, I'll get more. I'll get more <laughs> hate email mail about some hate mail. This I'm a Subaru driver, and you else. have no idea how much Here's I love a, my car. Real funny Subaru story. So I land in a very small airport in a very rural area in America, very rural, with with one of my colleagues, and the guy gave me these keys, and I looked at my the guy I was with. The guy at the rental car thing. I said, this guy just gave me his car. It was like wings. Like when I, <laughs> I love that shit. By was the, the way. guy, the guy with the mustache? It was the he has the lunch. Ca- whatever. There was a rental car guy. Said, just take my car. Yeah. You're on the island for a little while. Just take my car. And, and I swear to you, I get outside. It's a Subaru. I was like, this is this guy's car. We were just giggling and laughing about it. And we're talking about like you know like the only people that drive Subarus are Subaru drivers. Like like we're in like some kind of club now. <laughs> It was a very excellent vehicle, by the way. But I remember taking the client to lunch or whatever, and and, and they're like, your rental car's out front, right? I was like, yeah, we'll just jump in. I was like, well, it's, you know, whatever. And, and they walk out, it's like, you would drive a Subaru. I was like, what What's does that, that mean? Because Mr. Branding Marketing, and you're going to drive, like, a marketing car, I guess. Or yes, something. That's like a su- brand. I ask for the Subaru. Give me the Subaru versus the, you know, the Corolla or whatever Another, they normally give you. One more funny rental car story, and I'll I'll move on. We should have a podcast about rental car stories because I've got some too. So anyway. I got I got to Seattle, SeaTac Airport, and they gave me a 
Kia Soul, the thing with the hamsters in it. This is another brand thing because I'm like, I'm not going to drive the hamster mobile. Like that was my first yeah. reaction to it. Kias are fine cars. But That's was, the commercial with the hamster world. But I was like, yeah. who, who is this for? And, I, and I'm just kind of like mad getting on <laughs> 80, I think, or whatever it is, not I-95 corridor, whatever, coming out of the airport. And I swear to you, it's a like an eight-lane wide thing you're merging into. Every car I could see was a Kia Soul. It's got to be the It was most the popular. rental car. Yeah, it was the rental car no, of the I don't, day no, or whatever. No, it wasn't all the rental cars. It was like Pacific Northwest. So they were just everywhere. Because you would think it would be a Subaru. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was Kia Soul. Anyway. Hey, well, I'm talking about Pacific Northwest. I'm going to give the shout out. Sean Carson, good friend of ours. Was that your shout out? I needed to remind yes. you about snacking. Yeah. Forget to remind you. Can you forget it. Okay. I don't know if you saw on social media, got a hole-in-one on a round of golf, what would be this weekend. So now, Sean, at least you know when we record this. Great, great story. He texted his mom two holes already. So I felt like my dad who had passed away is with him, and I just want to celebrate a great, great hole-in-one, great, poignant, awesome moment for my friend and you know, give him a shout-out from both of us. I haven't gotten – I've gotten within six inches of a hole-in-one. I play a lot of golf, and I've never had a hole-in-one. I probably, I don't know, I play, I live on a golf course, so that's just like, we go out in the afternoons there, and play, especially with the kids, blind tee. and I've I've never had one. There's a blind tee at Big Oaks, a three, a, a par three, of It's course. now uh, Tupelo National. Tupelo National. It has been rebranded. It's a marketing podcast. We got to let people know. I hit a wedge, like, over this blind, like, bluff, the, the you know, the... You can't even see the pin. Like it's a, it's actually a terrible hole. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like you can't, like you can't see the pin from the tee box, and that's why I got within six inches of it because I hit this damn thing straight up to go. Are over you sure the, it wasn't like the third hole and you were teeing off on the fourth hole and you hit it, nah, you nah, sliced this, it back towards no, the? This was it went straight up, straight down, and it left a divot that was, you know, half inch deep. Uh, doesn't matter unless you made one. There's no, no story I'm to it. Saying, There's but, no story but, unless you make one. But here's the deal. Making that is nothing um, compared to the feeling I hope Sean felt. So congratulations, that's awesome. friend. No, that, that, that's awesome. I hope you, uh, hope you teed up the ball in the next hole and hit in the water. Because <laughs> that would be the worst <laughs> thing ever. I'm going to keep this to remember the memory. I'll just tee up. Oh, the same ball? Yeah, at the same ball no, in the water. that thing had to go in the, <laughs> in the bag. In the, the bag. bag. I hope it did. Well, back to the lecture at hand, as, as we say here. Final thoughts on this discussion of simple and ideas and marketing. And, and you, you brought it home for the audience because we this was basically a long story discussion. But you did say that there is a niche to your product and there are people that get upset about it when it's taken away. And that has to be accounted for in M&A and community banking and Subarus and car buying and clearly Canadian and whatever else brand you like that disappears or comes back or or uh, whatever it is, uh, you know, kids and hush puppies that got taken away and came back and other types of products that are out there floating around in the, the universe. So uh, I'll let you have a word on it. But but I think the deal is, is be aware of it. Know what's real. Know, know what's not. Know what you can sell. And, you can and the, cool. the, the, the I was just going to say, the proof is, I think in the story is, you probably as a marketer don't have much power over buying the product or creating the product, but in marketing, you can brand to be cool as a bank, or you can at least have a product that is, right? Any bank I've ever talked to could have done simple. Any one of them. It's I think it's it's technology you could have bought or paid for to have developed for the app. It was all bought. It didn't 
Well, they truly did buy it. Yeah, right. Somebody the, did buy the, it. The vision, and you did. You didn't have to pay 119 million for it because you bought some customers and stuff. But you could have bought that app technology. You could have bought the brand, but you don't have to. You can be cool. We've got a, a bank brand coming out that I'm extremely excited about. That is that is su- that that's super cool. You can be cool. I think that it gives a good lesson to why banks should become independent because if you're truly into what you deliver to your to your customers, and you know it's exclusive to another experience at a bigger bank or whatever, this personal service of community banking, then remain independent, but for that reason, to continue to do it. But the way you're going to have to do it to stay in business is buy some of that technology and become cooler, probably. Agree. Because it matters. We'd give you an extra special, extra long 2021 podcast today. So for the Marketing Money Podcast, this is John Oxford. And me. And that was Josh. And we will uh, talk to y'all's laters. and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the official policy or position of any financial institution or agency, Renaissance Corporation, Renaissance Bank and its affiliates, or the Mavis Agency. For more information, please visit marketingmoneypodcast.com.